our own funny moves I've got mine Woman, you got yours too Just trust in me Like I trust in you As long as we've been together That should be so easy to do to by Remax. <laughs> we just got a sponsor for the show. So. Anybody want me to start? Or you want to start the video? You're going to start it with the music? Okay. Okay. We're about to ready, about ready to start. 
Video first. Video first. Yeah, video first. Good afternoon, and welcome to the council. I'm your host, Charlie Pacello, and I uh, just want to wish a Merry Christmas out to everybody out there. Uh, today is just an amazing, amazing day here in Colorado. It is so breathtakingly beautiful. We are so lucky to live in this state. And I have a wonderful announcement. This show is now has a sponsor. I just want to thank Remax Alliance for sponsoring the show and giving it an opportunity to reach so many people, to give them hope, to save lives, to inspire them, to reach their highest potential. And uh, I just, uh, with an immense gratitude and deep, deep thanks to Remax Alliance for, for helping me out to, to reach all of you. Um, the show is uh, being broadcast all around the world on KUHS, Denver Radio TV. We broadcast music all over the world, the best shows, and, uh, and that's uh, also including uh, what I helped is the council as well. Um, you know, it's, uh, I really want to touch base uh, on a little about my experiences uh, that I just recently had. The council had an opportunity to go to Rome and Lebanon and it was, uh, in its own way, it was a, a spiritual kind of experience. I became aware of things that I didn't even know existed. I went to a church where they had uh, the crib of baby Jesus. I went to another church that had the table of the Last Supper. And all these different, all different religions and spiritual traditions have these relics, have these uh, things that uh, connect them to the originator of that, of that faith. And when I went to, and I also, you know, had an opportunity to meet the Pope, which was absolutely incredible. I had no idea that I would ever, ever in my wildest dreams uh, think that I would ever have the opportunity to shake hands with the Pope. And I found him to be really, really amazing. You know, you have all these preconceived notions about, you know, people in religious authority figures and the history of the Popes, and, you know, there, there hasn't been always nice. And yet, when I, had, when I was walking up and shaking hands with the Pope, I just found him to be so gentle and so kind. And he had so much compassion and he had so much love emanating from him. When you just look at the person and you saw this amazing man who was so friendly and kind and generous and, and loving towards me, it really kind of shifted some preconceived notions that I had. And I think that that's one of the things that we all need to do, uh, especially at this time of year, is just to reflect on 
you know, what are our beliefs are? Do we do we our beliefs block us from being able to see people for who they really are? Or does it keep us from being able to embrace all that is good in this world, all that uh, people have to offer? Just because they come from a different faith background doesn't mean that they're not just loving, you know, wonderful people. And when I went to Lebanon, you know, I had to, <laughs> I, mean, I had this preconceived notion, you know, of I had it all locked in that there was bombs going off, and I had uh, the tape, the collective tape going on in my brain of the uh, 83 bombings of the Marine barracks and uh, the peacekeeping forces having to leave, and, you know, just this, this civil war that was going on there between the Muslims and the Christians and the Jews, and it just seemed like, you know, that's what I had in mind. That's what I was going into. I hadn't, I hadn't uh, prepared myself for what actually I did witness. And what I witnessed was amazing people loving people. I had an opportunity to just uh, go out to dinner with them in restaurants that you could find anywhere in America. And I went to a mall that uh, had the biggest Christmas tree I think I'd ever seen in my life. And I remember saying to myself, I'm in the Middle East. I'm in the Middle East. I can't believe this. And, you know, I, I saw a deep faith there that I don't think I've ever witnessed or been, you know, really seen in America, where people really had a deep reverence, a, 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 a redemptive faith. You know, they, they would be willing to die for their faith. And I don't mean it in the, in the jihadist or anything like that. Well, they were just, they loved Christ, or they loved Muhammad, or they loved the, the Jewish faith with so much deep reverence that it is their, that is their bastion. It's what they hold on to. And I went into some places that I didn't know existed. There was these caves um, in the northern part of Lebanon where you actually, they, they, these caves are where some of the, uh, the early Christians hid in order to uh, escape persecution. And there were these long labyrinthine caves that went way, way down. And, I could, and to imagine that people lived there and survived, and in order to, to, to make it to the next day, and they did it for hundreds of years, they had such immense uh, humility and respect for the people. And, and the people there, the Lebanese people were so generous to me. They were so kind, they were beautiful, they treated me so well, they loved America. And it was something that really just dawned on me, it's just, how, why would anybody want to hurt these people? Why would anybody want to hurt anybody? I mean, the majority of the people truly there that I've witnessed want peace. And one of the other things that really stood out um, was I went to um, this other monastery of a, of a saint. His name was Saint Stefan. And his body, he died about 100, I guess, 100, 30 years ago or something, about 1911. And his body was still preserved. They, hadn't, they didn't uh, embalm him. He was, it, he, it had not deteriorated in any way. It was there. And so there are miracles that happen in that holy land all over the place. It's not just Christians. It's not, you know, it's Muslims and it's in Jewish faith. And <coughs> they're beautiful people. One of the things that really stood out as well is that I went to a university uh, with uh, a, a new and dear friend of mine out there. And he brought me what I, I you know, I didn't know what a university there was going to be like. I, I had my own preconceived notions, I guess. But when I saw there, I saw Muslims and Christians embracing, working together, inspired, aspiring to uh, their greatness and working together to find something, you know, to create something, to make something new. To, they were friendly. They embraced one another. They accepted one another. And I thought to myself, well, if this is happening here, why can't this happen and replicate it in other places, like in Israel, in the Middle East, other places? If you see beyond the, the beliefs that we get so locked up in, and you see the people behind it, and you recognize that they have feelings, that they 
love their families, that they want to be able to provide a, a good living. They want to have good, great meals. Oh my gosh, the Lebanese food is amazing. Uh, it's so good, uh, especially tabbouleh. I love tabbouleh. And, but why can't this be replicated in other places? And there's such deep ancestral wounds, really deep ancestral wounds, and they get passed down. These traumas get passed down through the generations. Now, and this is science, too. Uh, there's epigenetics that are coming in line with this understanding that traumas actually get passed down through the genes. They did a, a study back in 2012, um, or excuse me, 2010. It was Dr. Isabella Mansui from the University of Zurich, and she published this in the biology, biological psychiatry, and she discovered that some genetic trauma crosses generations. Uh, what they did was they raised some mice and they frequently separated them uh, from the mothers, which induced stress. This was done for about 14 days, and they, at the which time they were back, brought back into their normal environment. Now, as the males became adults, they began to exhibit these uh, PTSD symptoms, trauma symptoms, hyper alertness, jumpiness, um, isolation, and. They noticed also that the, some of the genes, they functioned a little bit differently, which controlled the, the, the release of serotonin and other stress-related uh, hormones. So then they, they bred those male mice, um, and this is the same kind of experiences that people experience you know, with combat. And, and you know, those are the same kind of relatable traumas that, we ex that, that human beings experience that would, would correlate with this. And they bred these male mice with the females to see if anything would happen occur in their offspring. And once they fought the fathered the they fathered the pups, the males were, were kept away, were removed so it wouldn't influence them and where they were just nurtured by their mothers and were raised normally. They weren't overly stressed. And what they discovered was as the male mice grew up into adults, they exhibited the same anxious and jumpy behaviors of their fathers and the same gene changes. And this is just one of many examples of how the actual traumatic memories are imprinted onto the genetic code uh, that ends up getting passed down these to the next generations and future generations. And we end up keep reliving the same problems over and over and over again until we find it, to have the courage to heal it within ourselves. We touch the seven generations that come after us, we touch the seven generations before us. And so my guest for tonight today is uh, an amazing woman. But first, what I'm hoping we're going to be able to do is, Henry, are we going to be able to play the video? I guess uh, we're, we're not going to be able to do it right now. But I'm going to introduce you to my, my amazing, amazing guest tonight. Uh, her name is Smadar Yaish. And she is a licensed psychotherapist, certified transformational life coach, and certified shamanic breathwork master practitioner and shamanic minister. And if we could do the video, can we do the video right now? That would be perfect, and then uh, we'll get right into the interview. This video is about the peace of the mothers. And it's a, uh, the mothers from all of that Middle Eastern area have gathered together to try to raise the consciousness level and bring peace to the area. So we're going to take and just take a moment and watch this video and then we'll get right into the discussion. So it's just a moment folks, we're switching over right now. This is an amazing video. When he when we get it on, it's just you see the beauty of the people and cultures coming together and women raising up and saying enough of this, enough. And so it's such an important video, especially here at this time of the year when we really can set our differences down. And so it's about seeing people for who they are, not what we think of them, we think they are. Not, not, not some idea or propagandized belief that says, you know, I have, to, I have to hate this person because they believe differently than I do. I mean, hate is taught. Hate is something that we learn. If you look at babies and you look at infants, they're, they're fine. They love one another. 
What happened? The name of the is um um the name of the video Prayers of the Mothers. Prayers of the Mothers. Prayers of the Mothers. And so it, it is something that is taught. And if we can see when people can set aside those ancestral wounds that, that continually get repeated over and over again. And you see this video and see them, them embracing one another. It truly is amazing. And we know it can be done. To see the goodwill in others. And now it's playing.
Isn't that just an amazing, amazing video? Uh, I mean, that image there where you're seeing that little baby and uh, all those people from all those different backgrounds and cultures coming together um, and just embracing one another, the human beings that they are, representing their humanity. Uh, I was introduced to this video by my, uh, my guest today, Smadar. And she's, uh, again, is a licensed psychotherapist, certified transformational life coach, uh, shamanic breathwork master practitioner, and a shamanic minister. And her approach to healing is holistic, and uh, she believes that the barriers and challenges uh, may occur on more than one level. You've got to address those impacts, be they physical, emotional, and spiritual. And that it's important to create a safe and sacred space for others to process and heal those traumas and old programmings uh, while holistically engaging in the process of healing, combining body, mind, heart, and spirit. So let me go ahead and introduce to you right now, Smadar. Hi, Hi John. How are you, Smadar? Great, thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, thank you. I, I, I'm just uh, so excited to have you here with the audience. Um, and thank you for introducing that video. Uh, that was one of the most in incredible videos that I think I've ever seen. Uh, I had no idea that existed. When did that happen? Uh, that particular video, I think it's 2011, but uh, this uh, march is happening every year. And it's actually a five-day march uh, from the north of Israel to the south of Israel. Mm -hmm when uh, women are joining uh, the march from all over uh, and it becomes a tradition and it's just uh, just one of the things that is being done in Israel to bring together uh, Palestinians and Israelis um, living, breathing, uh, talking, discussing peace. It's so fantastic. Have you participated in the march before? I have not participated in the march, but I have participated in a different event mm -hmm. uh, for two years called uh, Hug Jerusalem, uh, Jerusalem Hug, which uh, I saw, I was introduced to it actually uh, in a video, and I've seen uh, thousands of people, Palestinians and Israelis, holding hands, mm. hugging Jerusalem, throughout the wall of Jerusalem. And I remember telling myself, I got to be there. There is no way in the world that I'm not participating in such incredibly uh, healing experience. And uh, the next year, I did show up there, and I actually uh, facilitated a session called Breathe for Peace, mm -hmm. that we had Israelis and Palestinians breathing together, letting go of, you know, difficulties and uh, energies through breath, allowing ourselves to say, enough is enough, and breathing in what it is that we want. Mm -hmm. And it's peace, and it's being together, and being connected uh, through the heart. So that was incredible for me to participate uh, for two years, and there are more things happening there. That is so amazing. <clears throat> I don't think enough people know about these amazing things that people are doing on the grassroots level, people rising up, women coming together, mothers saying enough is enough <laughs> uh, from all backgrounds. Now, you lived in Israel, correct? Uh, you grew correct. up in Israel? Right, correct. Uh -huh. what, was it, what was it like growing up uh, in Israel? Um, I grew up in a small community in northern Israel. Um, for me, um, you know, kind of, it's, it's a little hard to answer how was it because that's what it was. It was living in Israel. And mm -hmm. at the same time, you know, kind of I'm looking at it from perspective of this discussion of peace and bringing pe people together. Actually, as a child, my family comes, came to Israel, or my parents came to Israel when they were teenagers, and they come actually came from Yemen. So for me, um, nothing was foreign in terms of uh, my relations with Arabs. You know, my parents spoke Arabic, although they were Jews. Mm -hmm. um, customs were the same. So on the one hand, it was very natural relationship. We had people coming over. My parents would go over to Arab uh, friends. Um, and at the same time, in Israel, there is ongoing conflict. So I also have memories of, uh, of war. And war doesn't happen necessarily, at the time at least, uh, 
didn't happen around my home, but the border is not far. So on the one hand, you live life, like, you know, for you, it's normal to live life and do what you do. And at the same time, there's uh, many times a level of alertness that only when I came to live in the U.S., I understood that it's not common Mm -hmm. that you live life with some level of alertness because there is an ongoing conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so it's kind of an interesting experience that sometimes when you step out of it, you could see more of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I felt that same kind of being, <clears throat> that alertness. I think it's just, uh, it has become so deeply ingrained into that uh, part of the world um, that because of these ancestral wounds, all the all, all the things that we know about, the, 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 the civil wars and the, uh, religious wars and all those things that happened in the Holy Land. Can you explain to the audience what you think that the like the root cause is? You know, what do we need to do? I mean, here's a video example of, of a step in the right direction. Uh, people coming together and rising up, saying, "Enough is enough. We cannot continue to do this." When I was there and I was helping out with the refugees, I mean, the people are just. I mean, you could see they're just absolutely exhausted by it. There is uh, a yearning for this to end completely. So what do you think it is to do collectively to address and honor and acknowledge those wounds in a healthy way that helps people to get heard and helps them to heal? Right. Um, Before I say something about it, it's important for me to say that I think you mentioned it in your introduction that what people see in the news is a portion of what life is there. Uh, You know, there are times in which people see what is happening there, and there are times people live their lives, you know, so they have, they achieve their goals and they do what they want to do for their lives. Uh, When it comes to trauma, there are, I think, two things. There is that trauma can be an ongoing thing that is happening at the present time, and it's part, in a way, part of life. Um, and also that trauma, and I totally agree with you that part of what is happening is that the wound is so deep that it's not just from this time. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that, I think we all know that trauma impacts all of us on many levels and some level can be also in, in terms of belief. So if in certain, uh, generation there is a belief for example i will never ever do that or i'll never ever be that and that's what being transferred right as part of sometimes the unspoken uh, code in the family or in the tribe or in the community mm-hmm. then the next generation grows without understanding why i should not do x and why i should not be whatever um, and it becomes part of life it seems like natural And I think in a way, uh, we are feeding what I call, uh, we transfer our personal shadow, our personal fears, our personal beliefs into the collective shadow. And I'll give you a specific example uh, that, for example, you know, people sometimes ask, you know, how come people responded to a certain way in Israel? And I say, for example, the Holocaust was a major, major trauma Mm -hmm. that is really rooted in the psyche of Israelis. Mm -hmm. And the way it's being kind of um, manifested is somehow without knowing it, I know I can say it about myself and I I felt it all around, that the belief is or the kind of... um, the promise is, I will never ever be a victim again, or I will never allow myself to be weak, mm-hmm. or I will not allow uh, someone else to be responsible for my own survival. So that creates people and creates an atmosphere that is really, it is my responsibility to care of myself. Uh, and I will not be weak again. And I think when we come to resolve things, then it becomes, you know, it becomes a little more complicated. And I'm sure there are different other traumas, and I'm not expert, honestly, about, you know, what is happening on the Palestinian um, side, but I'm quite sure that it's a human response. Mm-hmm. We all do it. It doesn't matter where we live. 
it's part of what we do and it's extremely important it's extremely important to me to do the work that when I come to interact with another person when we interact community with another community we come from the heart mm-hmm. we come from a clean heart we come from a place that we allow ourselves to take what I would say unconscious vow that we are not even aware that we made or our ancestors made and come to the table heart to heart remembering that we are pretty much similar we might have uniqueness but we are similar mm-hmm. uh, yeah no, I, and that's what was, uh, you know, so apparent to me when I was there in the Middle East and how similar everybody was. You know, they, everybody spoke like Arabic and communicated and talked and embraced. And I saw in one place uh, there was a statue that they have uh, of uh, Mother Mary there and Muslims are there attending it, revering it, honoring it. And I'm thinking, my goodness, if people can see that they're, we're similar we, do, we, we all love God the way we love God, and let, just let it be, and appreciate that, and come from that heart level. And, you know, people can transcend their religious dogmas if they want to, if they can choose, if they, and, and, but what's so hard is because we don't address that shadow side, which you were just talking about, and we need to address the shadow. If you don't dive into and look at it and, and see it for what it is, and, and, and not be terrified by it, not act out of the wound, not perpetuate the wound, but just embrace it and see it, we can learn to love, grow, and honor one another, respect one another, and treat each other as human beings, as the video that we just played show. Is, do you think this kind of agape love is possible in places like Israel and the Middle East? Um, you know, is this sisterhood, brotherhood possible? And can we end this conflict? I definitely think it's possible. I think it already exists, uh, despite of you know uh, the differences. There are so many groups in Israel that are actually there are some groups that are working on a weekly basis mm-hmm. of having uh, people sit together, discuss, and share with each other their difficulties. And there are a lot of projects of um, people uh, voicing their voice and saying, "We want peace." and uh, learning to live together. So despite what is being shown on the media, there's a lot going on already. I definitely think it's possible. I think sometimes, um, you know, uh, we wish for the results to come much faster and it's we could sometimes lose hope mm-hmm. when we don't see results. And I think many times, like a seed that we put in the ground and we don't see it, uh, you know, come out of the ground and we think nothing happens, Actually, the seed is uh, uh, actually uh, developing within the ground until it comes out. Uh, so I wish it was much faster, but um, I really truly believe that a lot is being done at this time. Uh, and you know, and I, I do too. I mean, just I didn't know it until after I got back from the Middle East, until I actually went there and seeing it with my own eyes. It is possible. And it, it really requires us to, you know, really trust that those seeds are germinating. Those seeds are being planted in the ground. And it takes courage to be able to address these ancestral wounds. So when I'm working with people, you know, it's really about, you know, not running from those shadows, but embracing those shadows, being able to, to, to look at them. Is that the same kind of similar work that you do to resolve these deep ancestral wounds within yourself? How are you able to do it? Yeah, uh, for me, it really starts with acknowledging not just the trauma, but the impact. Mm -hmm. And it's acknowledging, allowing people, myself and others, when I work with people, uh, to acknowledge the pain, to acknowledge the rage, to acknowledge the anger. Um, uh, Many times it's to examine, is it mine or someone else's? Mm -hmm. Okay, and I think many times people discover, actually... I don't have a reason to carry all this rage. Some of it is not mine. Uh, the other thing is to um, really examine. That's something I'm, I do a lot. What would my ancestors say? Hmm. Would they be happy to see that I still carry resentment? And is that the legacy they left for me? Hmm. And my sense that if I, if I had the chance to ask them, I would hope, but I think I, I sense that probably they would tell me, 
let it go. We forgot about it already. Why are you carrying it? And I don't believe that any parent would like to have their children carry the burden of their own pain. And that's why it's important today to do the work because what we do is really will impact future generations. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we carry resentment and we have suspicion and we kind of put all my all our energy in all levels, physical, financial, spiritual, into resisting each other, then we are not creating what we came here to create. And I don't think we came to create to maintain conflict. I really, truly don't think any one of us came for that. We came for greater things. I, <clears throat> excuse me, I absolutely agree with you, Smadar. Uh, just a quick uh, announcement. We are hearing this amazing interview with Smadar Yaish on KUHS Denver Radio TV. Uh, we are broadcasting all around the world. We're getting people from Sweden, Moldova, United States, the United Kingdom, uh, Indonesia, uh, Germany. Thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in. It is such an honor and a privilege to be able to, to speak with all of you. And, and hearing about peace, hearing people actually doing the things that, are, that can make peace possible. And when you, Smadar, let me come back to you just a moment here. Um, what insights can you give um, to people who are listening on, on why, you know, because, all right, sometimes as some of the genetic understanding of, for instance, the Holocaust, uh, they saw that uh, the actual trauma got transferred into the next generation. There was a lot of uh, the shock and the horror, and it was so much that they were holding on to from what the entire Jewish community experienced that it didn't show up until the next generation. So sometimes it's, it has to be, you know, the children of the parents who actually have to do the work. Wouldn't you agree? I totally agree. So what is it, what insights can you give to people who are listening who may be carrying those things for their parents that were unresolved issues and that just by virtue of being, because it's like an energy thing that gets passed. You know, something that is not that is not contained in one generation will get passed down to the next generation until it gets resolved. And often what happens is we replay on some level the same things, and that ends up getting passed down to the next generation. What can we do to stop it? My experience from working with people that sometimes the difficulty of letting go has to do with what I call uh, first chakra issues, Mm -hmm. and they are related to loyalty. Meaning, if I change anything, I am becoming, uh, I'm not loyal to the truth, of my family or whoever that I'm carrying or I'm going to harm them. Uh, If I'm not going to carry that, it means it goes back to them and I'm harming them. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, I'm I'm kind of, um, part of the work is to give us permission, give us permission and kind of examine the resistance. The resistance sometimes, it's not because I don't want to get well, it's because that if I am going to take care of myself, then somebody else is going to pay the price. And again, I'm, I'm returning into the question. When we look into, if you were to ask your parent, and I'm not saying that you'd literally go and ask your parent, what would they want from you? And when you are letting go, you're not giving it back. You know, there are enough rituals, and that's the way I work with people, is I do rituals, I do psychodrama, I, do a, I use a lot of creative means for us to use whatever pain it is. And, and I want to just say pain, enter, anger, rage, whatever, it's all energy. And as we know, it's a fact that energy doesn't go anywhere but transform. We don't lose energy, right? It's being transformed. And we have the power to change whatever it is that is dense energy into lighter energy. So there are enough rituals, and you know, people can learn that. There's enough things on the internet, too, to learn how to let go of those beliefs, let go of those energies, those resentment, and open our hearts 
for something much better. And when it's much better, it's not just for us. There is always a ripple effect. The same way trauma affects, you know, many, many cycles around us, wealth, uh, sorry, health and wellness does the same. So it's kind of, um, I see it not just as a good suggestion, for me at least. Mm -hmm. For me, it's a must. It's, it's a part of principle of life. If I want to live life fully and I want to make a difference in the world, I got to do this. Mm-hmm. And I got to do this without fear. And you know what? Even if I have fear, just do it. <laughs> it will, you know, that's the role of fear. The role of fear is to tell us this is too dangerous. Don't go there. We are all courageous people that we do a lot more than face certain fears. Okay? So. Well, I, you know, in my own life, in my own experience, <clears throat> it was when I was able to finally confront those fears and look beyond them and embrace them, not run away, that they started to shrink. And then they no longer had the power over me. But it, I needed to confront them. It was the only way to be able to transform the, the traumas that I had experienced. And it works. And it's hard. But you've got to do it. And the thing is, it's the light on the other side. And that's what it is. It, it, it's, it's freedom to be who you were always meant to be and to be right. able to love people exactly for who they are without trying to change them, without wanting to be any different. And it's a wonderful, glorious position to be in when you right. finally get there. Right. And I want to say one more thing. I just said just do it. But the truth is that sometimes we need to do it in community. Oh, yes. That to do it in isolation can be very, very difficult. So I want to take my words back because it sounds like, oh, it's so simple. Uh, (laughs) uh, When we do it in community, we have the power of the community. We create a healing Mm -hmm. circle and we do it together and we kind of inspire each other. What I see in groups and what I see in circle is sometimes it's so profound Mm -hmm. when one person in the group or in the circle or in the family dare to let go and open their heart the impact on the entire circle and when i say circle it can be a family or whatever is profound so we don't have to do it alone no 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 community is absolutely essential and that's we cannot carry all these burdens alone and when we share our burdens in community in sacred circle in a place that we cross that liminal space into something that's transcendent and you, you see how people suddenly um, feel safe enough to be able to share these secrets that they've been holding or these angers or that rage or these deep griefs that they haven't been able been given permission to relieve themselves from. And when they do, it is, it is like a sh- literally a shadow has been lifted off of them and it is carried away. And then there's a connection that you have. That is a heart-centered connection that connects to all the people there. So it must be done in community. With the work that we do, with uh, that I do with veterans, uh, with the Soldiers Heart Group, it, it, um, is you know we do that in community to help veterans to to be able to free themselves from the the traumas that they experienced in war. Uh, when I do groups, uh, I also do theater groups. You know, being able to take your story into uh, into a the- theatrical production where you're witnessing your story being performed on stage. It's catharsis. It's enabled to you to purge those deepest emotions inside of you that get locked up. The ancient Greeks understood that. You know, that if we could, if we couldn't deal with it ourselves, if we watched it perform on stage in a sacred ceremony, we could all cry together. We could all grieve together. And there was a release. And freedom that comes with that. And, and behind that is peace. Right. Um, we've only got a few more minutes, Minar. I would love for you, I know you have another beautiful song. I uh, would love for you to share that with the audience, if you could. And uh, also to, uh, you know, just take a moment and, uh, you know, let people know how they can reach you, you know, what, and, uh, and the work that you do. Okay, so how about I will tell people how to reach me and then I'll read the song. Would that work? That'll work. Okay, so um, people can reach me through my website. It's called Simple Truth Within. And uh, basically I do um, face-to-face uh, healing groups. I also do, uh, starting in February, I'm going to start uh, 
doing it via Zoom, meaning uh, video chat. Uh, I do uh, co coaching over the phone or video. So people can uh, go to the uh, main page on my website, and there is my email. People can write me uh, directly or call. And if people want to be on my mailing list, they need to let me know, and I will be gladly, uh, I will add them to my list. Um, okay, so let me share the song that touched my heart. <laughs> and uh, the song says, Blessed we are to dance on this ground with a rhythm of saints that carry the sound. We hold a prayer for the earth, for the ones yet to come. May you walk in beauty and remember your song. Remember why you came here. Remember your life is sacred. Remember why you came here. Remember this life is sacred. That is beautiful. That is so, that is so beautiful. Life is sacred. Life is so sacred. And if we can understand that and appreciate that in every moment and in every breath, it's a miracle that of, to just even be breathing. And here we're at the, uh, the Christmas time of the year where we need to... What we actually do, we set aside our differences and we look for the goodwill in people. You know, Christmas is one of those times where I think that um, there's a great quote that I love that says, Christmas waves a magic wand over the world and behold, everything is softer and more beautiful. And that's that sacredness that you're just saying in that beautiful, beautiful poem. And, you know, it's not about things, it's not about your job, it's not about, uh, you know, it's about what's really important this time of the year. And wishing people well, and wanting the best for all, and being able to cherish these moments that you have. Peace, goodwill to all, towards all men and women. It's, that's, that's what we want. And this is a time of the year that is, uh, it's a spirit that's constantly giving. It reminds us of what's really important, the happiness that we see in other people, the joy that we see in other people, and forgetting self and finding time for others. You know, it's discarding the meaningless and all the stresses and just, my goodness, be thankful for the life that you have. You are listening to this uh, amazing special holiday show on the council. We are Broadcasting on KUHS Denver, all around the world. It's, uh, we have amazing music, amazing programs and shows. Um, I just want my guest uh, one more time to be able to have an opportunity to just share one last message that you would like to give the audience um, on this, this time of goodwill. Uh, what would you like to give to the world who is listening today, Smadar? I would say let's we all focus on our heart. Our hearts have our wisdom, has our wisdom. And if we could um, imagine ourselves, how easy it is to connect to any person on this earth through the heart. And at this moment, even imagine that we all, all people who are listening in this program can connect just through the intention of the heart and listen to what our hearts tells us. Do you have a quick ritual that you could do? We have like two, three, two minutes left. Would you like okay, to do? Okay, so yeah, let's do, let's, let's create a healing circle together. Okay. We'll do it uh, quickly. So I ask uh, wherever you are, if you could just close your eyes. If you're driving, please do not do that. And just imagine that we are all connected through the heart and uh, let's call on the spirit of love to join us in the circle. And let's ask in our hearts that the spirit will show us what needs to be born in the next year, what is asking to come through us. 
And let's take a moment to call on the spirit of compassion. And we ask that all parts of ourselves that feel either wounded or hurt or confused can be filled with this energy of compassion. And let's call on the spirit of peace, brain in our hearts, so we could have the courage to let our greatness come up and whatever no longer serve us be given to the earth. And let's call on the spirit of the inner truth the higher purpose, the inner knowing of the reason we came to earth and our true service on this earth. And allow yourself to trust that those energies are with us in this sacred circle and choose a person, a group, a place in which you could send those energies to, those blessing to, at this time. And just see those blessing enveloping, you know, the person, the group, the place, the earth. And that our prayers are heard. And so it is. And so it is. Amen. Smadar, thank you so much for joining us on this show today. What an amazing, amazing person you are. What a gift you are to humanity. Uh, and the work that you're doing to help bring true healing and reconciliation to all Israelis, Palestinians, the entire Middle East, and the entire world. Thank you for the work that you do. Thank you for sharing that with this audience. and. And, and just what a blessing to have you on the show today. Thank you. Thank you so much, Charlie, for having me. Well, folks, um, thank you again. We are uh, broadcasting live on KUHS Denver Radio. Uh, if you really want to do work with me, uh, please go to my website, which is www.charliepacello.com. That's C-H-A-R-L-I-E-P-A-C-E-L-L-O.com. Or email me at charlespacello at gmail.com, C-H-A-R-L-E-S-P-A-C-E-L-L-O at gmail.com. Or tag me at Twitter at charliepacello.com. Or at charliepacello. Anyway, folks, have a merry, merry Christmas. Have the best holiday. Love your family. Love all those people that are so dear to you. Happy New Year. The council is adjourned. We will be back next year. God bless you, everyone. May you all be well. May you all... Be free of pain and suffering. May you all be whole. God bless. Awesome. Thank you so much. Fantastic show. <laughs> that was fantastic. So brilliant. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Your introduction was incredible. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. That was, um, I, I, it was just, uh, you inspired me today. So thank you. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Well, have a wonderful rest of your week. Be safe. Enjoy the holidays. You enjoy too. the spirit. And uh, I look forward to meeting you in person someday. So. Yes. Thank you. Would you be able to send me a recording at some point? What I'm going to do is I'll send you, uh, I'll be able to send you a recording of it. Um, okay. via uh, the Facebook I, I can send it to you via Facebook and then okay. I also once I get it uh, copied on here I can send it to you via Mixcloud or um, iTunes okay perfect okay thank you all right so thank you so much you too bye bye, -bye.